Come on, can we give Jesus one huge, huge hand? Come on, He is worthy. He is worthy. So good. Hey, before you're seated, before you're seated, it's so funny to see that from this angle because you see half of them go. It's like a squat, Sunday morning squat. That's what we do. Um, I would love for us to take a couple of moments to honour, before we do, to honour our team here, our sound, lighting, auto, visual, kids. Can you imagine doing kids ministry? Look, if I was in the kids' ministry, they'd all be bound and gagged in the corner by the time you got back to get them because the only way that I'd survive out there, thank God for people who are called. Thank God for people who stand up and say, I'm going to put my hand to the plow. You know, we never even think about the sound guys until something goes wrong, right? We never even think about them until it's like, what's that horrible sound back there? But if we're worshiping, they're kind of in the... We appreciate all of you back there. We appreciate you. We appreciate the kids. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank every... Every person who led us in worship. And before you're seated, Pastor Craig didn't nag me. I, I love and honor senior pastors. I, we will never know the weight of what it is to carry a God-entrusted vision and lead a rat pack of people like you and me into where God has called us to go. I was just walking around here this morning and Pastor Craig is like a kid on Christmas Eve telling us what we're going to do on the front part of the section and the back part of the section and what we're going to do around here and thank God for leaders who will carry the God entrusted weight and say for a decade Pastor Craig and Trinity have said yes to God to leading this amazing community of people into all that God has for us and I don't know about you but I thank God for senior leadership who say yes, who continue to lead, who to continue to take the bullets and the challenges that come with it, the challenges that come from outside of the church and the challenges that come from inside of the church. Well, our church, not this church. None would come inside here, but in our church, there's a few challenges that come from within inside. And thank God for people that continue to say yes. Can you put your hands together and show these guys how much you love them, honor them? Come on, let's make them feel really awkward right now that we are focusing on them, thanking God for them. And during worship, I really felt like Pastor Paul in our church has declared this is a year of more. More of God's presence, more of the miracles of God, more people finding Christ. Come on, more of the provision of God. And I've got a real sense that this is going to be a year of more for your church as well. That this year, God's going to continue to open up doors that you've been believing for for years. He's going to provide things that you've been believing for for years. And there's going to be people in the church who were princes, who are going to rise up and be kings and carry parts of the God-entrusted vision and say, Pastor, I got this. I kept thinking about Jonathan and David, where Jonathan said to David, do whatever is in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. And you've got a team like that around you, but I believe that as you go into all that God has for you, there's going to be more of those that rise up. Say, Pastor, do whatever it is in your heart. I'm with you, heart and soul. My skill set and who I am is with you, heart and soul, to see this region one for Christ. How many believe that the greatest days of the church are yet ahead of her? Come on, let's put our hands together one more time and thank God for all that He has for us. That's awesome.
You can be seen, give someone a hug of at least three seconds. It makes a Christian very, very, very cool. Well, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. And I believe I got a word from God. Uh, has anyone ever watched the show Pimp My Ride? Give me a wave if you ever. I'm a Christian, so I haven't. I've, I've read a book about it, though. And my friends have told me about it. For those of you who are like me and saved, I'm going to tell you about what the Pimp My Road show is. It's a, it's a show on MTV, which is a very unchristian channel that I would never, ever put turn on in my house. But there is a show called Pimp My Ride where these people write into uh, th- this rapper. His name is Exhibit. I read. His name is Exhibit. And uh, they write in, and they've got the worst cars you've ever seen. I'm like horrible cars, like cars where that you need a screwdriver to open the door, and then you need a screwdriver to turn it on. And cars where you've got a milk crate for a seat because the seat has gone and holes so big in the floor you feel like Fred Flintstone and like the, the roof lining coming down if there's actually a roof lining on it and so many different colors. It looks like Joseph's coat that you're driving down the road. Like it is a horrible car. And then you ride in and you say, please MTV, won't you? Look, it's an unsaved church. This is awesome. So Exhibit turns up to someone's house and they have no idea that he's coming because you sit around every Saturday afternoon wide with a microphone just in case someone comes to the, uh, to the front door. So Exhibit comes to the front door and they, uh, knocks on the door and, and, and opens up and this college-age kid generally gets so excited because they know what's about to happen. And then Exhibit drives the car off to this place, I think I read it, called West Coast Customs. And he goes over to West Coast Customs and then at the end of seven days, they have trans formed this, like this car is ridiculous. The car has so much paint, more paint than your entire extensions have just had put on them. Wheels that are, sm- that are taller than my seven-year-old son. More TVs than yours and my house put together. And if you're into some sort of hobby, then they will kind of theme the car around the hobby. Like if you're into movies, this whole outdoor movie theater will pop up out the back. The challenge with it is this. They do nothing with anything that makes the car run. Nothing with the engine, nothing with the gearbox, nothing with it. So you still break down as much. You just look cool broken down on the side of the road now. I've got to tell you, church is not about looking better on the outside. The plan of God is not that we come to church for an hour and a bit every Sunday morning and turn up to group every Wednesday night. And if you're a young person, turn up to youth on Friday nights. And by the end of it, we look a bit better on the outside. Like we know how to turn up into church and raise our hands. If it's your first time here today, we love the fact that it is your first time here today. And we don't want to be professional Christians. We're on a journey just like you of discovering God's love and God's grace and God's plan. And I don't ever want to become a professional Christian where I know where to put my hands up during the song, where I I just turn up and I look better. I'm still as broken on the inside as I was before, but I just look a bit better on the inside. Here's what religion will do. Tell you, you have to look different on the outside. Here's what a relationship with God will do. Bring freedom and hope and, and all that God has on the inside into who you are. Here's the deal. God has called us to live a life of freedom, not just for us but for someone else. I read a book uh, by a guy by the name of John Eldridge. It's called The Father Heart of God. And this book starts by telling about a trip that him and his family took to Alaska. And when they got to Alaska, the tour guide said, hey, do you want to see this marshy, 
wasteland where bears cross over to a land where they can hibernate and find safety. John said, yeah, I'd love to go there. So they hike up through the woods and they end up at this marshy wasteland that literally if you step into it, you sink and die. And John says, where where are all the bears? He goes, oh, they're over there asleep in the place where they can take refuge. And the the guide said, hey, I want to show you something. Come on over here. And they stood on the edge of the wasteland. And as they looked across the wasteland, there was these huge round patches that looked like someone had just put stones across the wasteland from one side to the place where they could get rest. And the tour guide said, here's what happens. Uh, Over hundreds of years, the bigger bears have found their way across the wasteland and where their foot has gone, it has compacted an area of the marsh and now it creates a pathway for the younger bears to put their feet where the older bears have gone and they go across from one side to the other to get all that God, oh, sorry, God, wrong, wrong part of the message, to get to the place where they want to go that is in safety. You know that God has called Christian Family Center to be a voice in the community that creates a pathway across a, la- a wasteland for people to find help and hope from brokenness to wholeness, from disconnection from God to connection with God, from depression to freedom, from whatever it is that your journey is. You know that God has called you to go on a journey, not just for you, but for the people that will follow that Pukekohe is waiting for a community of people to rise up and say, I'll go from where I am to where God has called me to go so that you can follow in my footsteps and get the freedom that God has for me. Let's pray. Hey, Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, for this amazing community of people. And God, I pray that as we open our hearts and open our minds, that you would speak to us, that you would ignite something on the inside of fresh excitement of where you've called us to go as a community of people and as individuals that we would go and lead and leave a pathway for others to follow. Holy Spirit, today, would you reveal Jesus to us? Would we walk out of here more in love, more passionate, and knowing that we are loved by a King of kings and a Lord of lords? In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9 says this. Now it came to pass after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Pause. Joshua was Moses' servant. And in those days, the servant wasn't someone that would come over to your house and cut your grass. Your servant lived with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, went where you went, did what you did, learned from you. I'm pretty sure that Joshua knew that Moses was dead. He would have been there when the lights began to fade from Moses' eyes. He would have been there when Moses began to lose energy and life began to drain from his body because he had run his race. He, he had been there when Moses was beginning to kind of give up all signs of life. And can you just imagine Joshua's journey where he'd been through the death and he was at the funeral. He 
went to the wake and he'd been through the mourning process. You know what the mourning process is where you feel sad, 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 a happy day, sad, 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 a happy day, sad, sad, happy, happy, sad, 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 happy, happy, happy. And there's this process that you go through in mourning and Joshua had been through that whole thing and and God says to Moses, uh, Joshua, hey Joshua, Moses is dead. Imagine Joshua's response. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I was at the funeral. I was there. I know he, he was my hero. It broke my heart. Why did God need to say that Moses was dead? Because of what was written about Moses just a one book before in Deuteronomy 34. It says this, since then, speaking of no, Moses, no prophet had risen in all of Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all these signs and wonders, and the Lord sent him into Egypt to Pharaoh, to all the officials, and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. Can I tell you that till that point, that was true? Moses had done some great things, but to that point, he was the greatest that had ever risen. To that point, how many know hindsight is a wonderful thing? But Jesus came after Moses. How many know Jesus was probably a little bit better than Moses? So so here's the deal. God had to arrest Joshua and grab his chubby little cheeks and say, Hey, Joshua, what has happened to this point is phenomenal. And I feel like God is saying to Christian Family Center in Pukekohe, Hey, what has happened to this point is phenomenal. Let's honor the past. Thank God for what he's done. Thank God for the leaders that have gone through. Thank God for the miracles that have happened. But your best days are not behind you. Your best days are yet in front of you. Thank God for that, but look forward to that in Jesus' name. And he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, arise, cross this Jordan. You, everyone say me. Come on, say me. You and all these people, say them. Say me and them. Me and them. To the land which I am giving them the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. Just as Moses, just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness to this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and very courageous. I want you to catch this. For you shall give them possession of the land which I swore according to their fathers to give them. Here's what I believe, that God is going to give us something as a community of people that he swore to the forefathers because it's our time to reap the benefits of what God has done so that our city can be different through what God wants to do. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from, my, from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Do you know the mandate on Joshua, the measuring stick, the yardstick for his success from heaven was not that he went in and possessed the land that God had given him, but he would create a pathway for others to go in and get the land that God had given them. And I want you to hear it this morning. God is going to give you and I a land so that we can give it to others. God's going to give us a freedom so that others can get freedom. God's going to give us breakthrough so others can get breakthrough. God's going to give us a way forward so others can have a way forward. God says, I'm giving it to you for you to give it to them. What God has on your life is not about you. It's about the people in your world. There was a lady in our church. Her name was Yvonne Jesse. Her husband owned quite a successful shade, shade sale business here in Auckland. They were German by descent and she was one of the most timid ladies you ever have ever found in your life. One of the things that we do is we partner with a church in Cambodia called New Life Fellowship, one of the greatest churches in Cambodia. There's about 2,500 people there on a Sunday morning. The average age of the congregation is 24. So we talked about what we're doing in Cambodia. One of the challenges in Cambodia is it's such an impoverished nation that both parents have to work, leaving the kids at home and they're susceptible to child trafficking. Something sparked on the inside of Yvonne and she said, hey, I'm, I'm going to move my whole family to Cambodia and start a daycare center. You go up there today, there's a daycare center called Ray of Sunshine and her and her husband fully fund this Day of Sunshine daycare center where every morning a bus goes through the slums of Cambodia, the kids pile onto the bus, they go to this daycare center that runs seven in the morning till nine at night, which is the shift workers time that they're at work. And when they go to the daycare center, they get three meals a day, a doctor comes and looks at them and they start to get this um, beginnings of education, which no one in Cambodia at that age gets. And I said to Yvonne, I said, hey, Yvonne, you, why, why are you doing this? She goes, Scott, I've never felt more alive than I have in this moment. Do you know that society will tell you that you have to look out for number one, protect your time, protect your family, protect your income, build a next egg for you, and, and all that stuff is right. God says, leave an inheritance for your children's children. But we were never meant to live this life for us and our selfishness and our kingdom, but we were called to live a life that would create a pathway for others. You know what this church, you know what the church of our nation needs is people standing up saying, God, you can use my life to create a pathway for someone else to find their freedom. And uh, uh, here's the deal, you don't have to go to Cambodia to find someone who is broken and needs a pathway for someone else. You can look over your back fence or at the school of your kids, or down in your neighborhood, or at your workplace, and God wants to use you just where you are. Have you ever stood knowing where you currently are, looking to where God has called you to go, 
and it looks like there's a river in between. Come on, you ever looked at your emotional world and thought, man, I wish I had a bit more stability, which is over there. You ever look at your marriage and think, I know there's better. Look at your financial world. I know there's better, but there is a river between where you are and where God wants you to go. Can I encourage you? You're called to cross that river, not just for you, but for them. There are battles that your kids won't have to fight if you cross a river. There are challenges your kids will never have to face, my kids will never have to face if I cross a river. I've got a question for us today. Who are the them in our world? Who are the them? Like if we actually identified who the them are in our world. I'll tell you who the them are in my world. It's my family. My amazing wife of 19 years who hunted me down like a ferocious lion and I was like a nimble gazelle running through my life and I just gave up and got tired and gave in and I can say that because she's not here and um, my three kids I have a 16 year old daughter who is amazing she she's really bright and she reads seven books a week Pray for me. I'm going broke buying books. But she reads seven books a week. My middle daughter, who is a leader of leaders, she's 13 years old, and she walks into our house, and I just stop leading. She does all. She kind of. And then my seven-year-old, pray for him. He needs Jesus desperately. My seven-year-old son, he needs to get saved. He's got attitude problems. Uh, but, but they're the them. Why do I continually stretch forward to all God has for me, f- for them? Come on, who are the other? Who are the other them? It's the loved ones and the friends that I'm doing life with. It's our church who I get to play a part and create a pathway for them to go. Who are the them in your world? Who is it that God is asking you? Uh, Group leader, your group, your small group, connect group, life group, whatever you call it here, uh, are the them in your world. Youth leader, You've got hundreds of thems looking to you on how I do this life thing. Kids workers, thank you for what you do. Don't babysit out there. Create a way across rivers that kids know they can get across. Come on, bosses, if you own businesses or you're in management in here, the people who you lead, it's not just a job function, but look for the God moment in there where you can create a them moment for them and say, hey, this is how I got across. When we live a me and them life, it changes the generations. And I don't know about you, but I want to set up the next generation better than I was set up. Thank God for the fathers that went before, but God let me set them up for the greatest win ever. Let my kids not have to face some stuff because I fought some giants and crossed some rivers. Come on, who are the them in your world? Because it changes generations. Thank God for people like Pastor Craig and Trinity, who for 10 years, have pastored a church. Oh, pastoring a church, that's got to be easy. Pfft, try it. Come on, for 10 years have kept saying, God, yes, I'm going to go across some rivers for them so that we can get away. Come on, thank God. Why, why are the them in our world? It can change generations. What's kept Pastor Craig and Trinity for 10 years doing this? What's kept Pastor Paula Marie for 25 years pastoring churches? I promise you, there would have been many times crossing the river called the destiny that God has for this church and for our church that our senior leader would have thought, man, it's got to be easier to get out because I feel like I'm up to my neck in Jordan. 
Like there's Jordan everywhere. Smells like Jordan, looks like Jordan. I'm covered in Jordan. And then a log comes down. Come on. There are many times when you're crossing the Jordan, you want to get out. And if it was just about me, I probably would have got out. But when I look behind and go, if I get out, they lose. You know what's kept these guys in the Jordan for 10 years? The people who have found spouses in this church. The people who walked in broken and walked out healed. The people who walked in abused and somehow God uses a community of people to create a pathway from the brokenness of abuse to God's restoration. You know what keeps them in the Jordan? Them. There's a couple in our church. Their name are Nolan Sally Martin. They're Irish and they landed in New Zealand 33 years ago. But if you talk to them, it sounds like they got off the boat yesterday. Like you talk to Noel, you need an interpreter. You'd have no idea what he's saying. And Noel and Sally got married 35 years ago and 12 months into their marriage, Sally found out that Noel was an alcoholic and had a gambling addiction. And for the next 18 years, Sally prayed that God would break into Noel's world and he would discover the same God that she had discovered. You come to church now and you'll find Noel and Sally sitting right there on the front, every single Sunday, our South Campus, every Sunday, sitting right there on the front row, worshipping God, Noel in tongues, because that's all he talks, his tongues, you have no idea what he's saying, he speaks in some foreign language. And I went down to Sally one day, I said, hey Sally, 18 years is a long time. What kept you fighting for 18 years? She goes, oh Scott, that was easy. Come here and I'll show you. Sally's like three foot shorter than I am, so I had to bend down a little bit. She goes, see over there? I looked over and I saw her youngest son and his wife and their brand new baby and their two-year-old. She goes, that's, that's Brian and Pippa. See over there? That's Alan and Jennifer. They've got their newborn in their arms and their other two kids are in the kids' ministry terrorizing some kids' workers. Don't laugh, it's because where your kids are right now. You know what kept me in the Jordan? Was knowing that one day we'd be standing in church as a family, worshiping God, and that if I got out of the Jordan, those kids wouldn't have a pathway to get to where God's called them to go. Friend, you're called to create a pathway for others. God's got a promised land for you that's not just for you, it's for them. I love what God said to Joshua. He said, I'm giving it to you so that you can give it to them. You've got an inheritance of someone else's that God gets to say, hey, would you take this and deliver it to someone else? I worked in a church in America for 10 years and while I was over there for 10 years, you, you do a lot of life with people over 10 years. And I was the youth pastor. So the last four years of, I was there, it was like every other weekend I'm doing a wedding for someone who was in the youth ministry and kind of got married. And, and when we moved here, I came into kind of senior level leadership in church. But you know the thing that was missing was the them. 
I'd look around and I'd be like, man, God's doing some amazing stuff, but I haven't played a part in any of this journey yet. I've been here now 10 years, and about six, four years ago, I stood doing a wedding for a friend of mine who is now our South Campus youth pastor. His name's TC. He's a Zimbabwean who married a beautiful uh, Kiwi girl, and I stood there doing their wedding, and I looked around, and there was Andrew Myers over there who'd got married three months before, and I know his story and played a part in his story, and I looked over there, and there was Joe Timu, and Joe Timu had some massive depression problems, and I got to journey with him a little bit and talk through him a little bit. And then up the back there, uh, there was Marcus. And Marcus uh, came in and his family was alcoholic. And I had an alcoholic family when I grew up. And I got to journey with him a bit. And all of a sudden, I realized that, you know, the, you, you know the, the gold in life is creating a pathway for them. Is being someone who God can use for someone else to get what God has for them. Here's the good news. If you're one step into your Jordan, you've got a pathway that someone else can follow. You don't have to be doing this for five years and you don't have to graduate and have a seminary degree. You just have to say yes to God every day. And when you say yes to God every day, your life begins to create a pathway for others. Jesus said this, as much as you do it for the least of these, do it for me. Have you ever met someone who at some point said, I've made decisions for others long enough. It's time to make decisions for me. Come on, you ever, you ever heard someone say that? As pastoring people for 20 years, I've heard that all too often. And here's what happens every single time. There is carnage in people's worlds around them. Because you cannot divorce your decisions to those attached to your life. And God wants, this isn't a condemning message, this is a freeing message that as I go forward into all that God has for me, I can create a pathway for others to get what God has for them. God, you can use this and all I've got to do is say yes to you and put one foot in front of the other and Holy Spirit, let you do a work in me that creates a pathway for someone else. Come on, someone, God can use your life to give someone else an inheritance. There is them attached to your world. Here's a I'm going to give you two traits of someone who lives a me and them life. Two traits of someone who gives a me and them life. Number one, we're undistractable. Undistractable. Joshua 1.7 says this, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or the right. Then you will be successful wherever you go. Here's the deal. If the enemy cannot disconnect you, he'll distract you. I had a friend of mine again in America who ran a very successful foundations company. He did all the foundations for all the commercial buildings that were going up in our area and uh, had hundreds of employees and was doing really well. Then the GFC hit and he lost everything almost overnight. Whole business went under overnight. He had a friend of his call him and say, hey, I, I live on the other coast of America. We're on the East Coast. He said, uh, his friend said, I live on the West Coast. And would you come out here and start the same company? I'll pay you $1.3 million a year salary to start your company and give you $250,000 as a moving cost bonus to come out here. I mean, that sounds like the will of God right there. I'd go, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> let me just think about it. Okay. 
The next question out of my friend's mouth, because he had a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old who were all locked into church, connected to leaders, and spiritually growing. The next question out of his mouth to his friend was this, is there a great church in the area? The response was, I don't know, you have to search it out for yourself. So he spent the next kind of week to 10 days searching churches, couldn't find a great church. Called the friend back and said, I'm going to have to decline your offer because my, my kid's spiritual foundation is more important than an annual income at this stage of my life. Do you know the enemy will throw even good things at you if it will cause you to be distracted from creating a pathway for someone else to get all that God has for you. Yeah, but I don't like this church anymore. They're going to build something big down the back and there's too much vision here. I'm going to go, no, 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 no. What is God using your life? Yeah, but did you see what they did on the extensions? And I would have preferred a brick wall, but they put a jib wall up and that's it. Isn't it, isn't it funny when we begin to talk about the things that the enemy could use? They're like, man, the enemy's just trying to distract. Because if I get distracted right now, then my pathway across the Jordan starts walking up the Jordan. And I'm in the Jordan a heck of a lot longer than I need to be in the Jordan because I got distracted with stuff that doesn't really matter. And I'm up to my neck in Jordan. Because the enemy would rather you in the Jordan, up to your neck in Jordan, smelling like Jordan, living in Jordan, rather than going over into the promised land that God has for you and creating a pathway for someone else. I'm not saying that moving is against the will of God. But what I am saying is move, but get God's voice on it first. I met a lady this morning, she may be in here, who used to be part of life. She was trouble, so we sent her out here caused all sorts of issues. I think she's out with her kids. Um, but her and her husband moved out to Pukekohe and began to do life out here. Began to do life out here. There they are. Look, see, look, standing up in the back. Trouble. Absolute trouble. Began to do life out of here, locked into this amazing church and said, you know what? It felt like home the moment we walked in. There's someone. Moving is not a challenge if it's in the plan of God for you. But don't be distracted by the things the enemy wants to throw your way. Don't, don't give up on people because they're too hard. You may be the path creator that God has put in their world to help them get all that God has for them. Number one, be undistractable. Number two, be a feeder. Joshua 1.8 says this, Keep this book of the law on your lips always. Meditate on it day and night so that you, be, you may be careful to do everything that is written in it then you may be prosperous and successful. Why make someone question in silence when you can encourage them with words? You can tweet that, that's free. Why make someone question in silence when you can encourage them with words? Yeah, I can feed myself and I can get books and I can listen to podcasts and I can come and hear Pastor Craig or Trinity's messages every single week and that's cool. But anyone thank God for caller ID? Can we get a little bit real? Anyone thank God for caller ID? There are times where my phone rings and I look at it and I'm like, oh, oh, do I have the emotional energy to deal with what's going to come down the phone right now? 
You ever talk to people and you can feel the life sucking out of you? It's like, oh. You ever met people that always got a better story than you? Like, I got out of bed and stubbed my toe this morning. Stubbed my toe? Man, I had a bump on my leg last week. I thought it was gangrene, going to chop my leg off. Come on, you ever met those people? I had a headache last week. Man, I had a tumor the size of it. Come on. Like, you ever met those people? You ever met, like, oh, thank God for caller ID? Nope. <laughs> you ever met those people? Come on, Pastor Craig. I bet you there's people here. We won't point them out. But I bet you there's people in here. Like people that move from life and stuff. Like, like, I'm joking. I love you. I'm joking. Come on, you ever met? Oh, no. How's your week been? Oh, let me tell you. Oh, what ask that question? Then there's other people where your phone rings. Like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm taking this call because I'm going to feel better about life and feel like I can take on whatever is in front of me after talking to these people because they put air in my sails and fuel in my tank and they believe in me and they believe in what God's called me to do and they're doing something great and they are feeders. They actually make you feel better and propel you into what God has called you to be. Come on, make a commitment that I'm going to be a feeder. I'm not going to be narrow. I'm not going to be negative. Who's that guy in Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. I'm going to get a t-shirt made said stamp on Eeyore's lip. Come on. Come on, how's the church doing? Oh, it's okay. How's group? Oh, I don't know. People always lame. Proverbs 10.20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. But the heart of the wicked is very little value. The lips of righteous nourish many, but the fool dies for lack of sense. When I'm a feeder, people will want to answer my calls because the Jordan sucks. Can I say sucks here? Cool. My bad. (laughs) The Jordan's a horrible place. Do you know why people don't get their promised land? Because there's a Jordan in the middle. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Remember Jesus? I was going to say at the Garden of Eden. That's the wrong end of the book. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in the middle of a Jordan. He was up to his neck in Jordan. When you feel like it's too tough and I can't do it and is this marriage ever going to turn around? Is this kid ever going to come home? Are my emotions ever going to stabilize? Is the hurt ever going to subside? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the middle of his Jordan, said, God, if there is any other way, can we do that? I want to get out right now. I'm done. If it was up to me, I'm out. And I reckon there's some people in church this morning and you're in that state. If it was up to you, you'd be out. I'm done. I'm sick of fighting this hurt. I'm sick of fighting this depression. I'm sick of fighting this financial battle. I'm, sick. I'm, I'm done. Here's Jesus' response. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. I reckon there's a couple of billion people from that point till this 
that walked in the slipstream of what Jesus did and the pathway he created across the Jordan from disconnection from a loving father into relationship with a God who loves us because someone stayed in his Jordan. Friend, what Jordan is in front of you? There's parents in here and you've got wayward children. You're sick of praying, you're sick of believing because it feels like every time you do, your heart just gets trampled on. Don't get out of the Jordan. Because God is going to give it to you for you to give it to them. Don't get out of the Jordan because you're up to your neck. Don't get out of the Jordan because God's got a pathway from where you are to where he wants you to be. And he says this, I'm going to give it to you for you to give it to them. And can I have the keyboardist come on back and join me? Coolest keyboardist in all of Pukekohe for sure. There are people in here and you're in your Jordan. And there are other people and you're standing on the edge of your Jordan. Maybe it's a message that Pastor Craig preached once and you're like, man, I want that. I want that life. Do you know that when you sit in church on a Sunday and God speaks to you, it's him painting a picture of the land he's taking you to? You ever notice God's terrible on details? Horrendous. Like, shocking. He'd make a great CEO and a terrible accountant. He goes to Mary, 14-year-old girl. Hey, Mary, would you like to carry the Son of God? What 14-year-old wouldn't say, I'm in? Forgets the part about you have to go to school pregnant. You have to tell your parents that you're pregnant. And by the way, you didn't sleep with Joseph. Heard that one before. You're going to get all out of shape and stuff. And then you actually have to give birth. I was at all three births of my kids. Thank God I'm a male. When I said I was at the birth, I was like, here up. I'm clean end. I'm like talking to her, coaching her up here. Do you know why God paints a picture of where he wants you to go? To fuel you for the journey that is between now and then. You can have the marriage that is in your heart. You can have the emotional world that is in your heart. You can have the family life that is in your heart. You can business person. You can have the business that is in your heart that will cause you to be a blessing to others and see the kingdom move forward and your own family blessed. You can have it. But there's going to be a Jordan to cross. Not just for you, but for those that are behind you. For those of you who feel like you want to get out of the Jordan, can I encourage you today? Just turn around and look behind you. Like my friend Sally used to do all the time and go, you know what? There are people who are depending. Like Pastor Craig and Trinity would have to do on a weekly basis. There are people depending on us crossing our Jordan. Maybe some of you are on the edge of the banks and you're on the wrong side of the Jordan looking over to where God, can I encourage you today? Make a decision. Take a step. Do you know what taking a step looks like? It's really practical. If you've got a bad marriage, call a counselor. 
If you're in financial trouble, call a financial advisor or CAP, Christians Against Poverty. If you're a young person and you're carrying depression, talk to your youth leader. Take a step forward into the Jordan and say, God, I'm going to cross this thing. No longer is there going to be a chasm between where I am and what you have for me. I'm going to go over and get it because when I get it, I can give it to someone else. I grew up in a home that had alcoholic as a mum, an abusive dad, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of people I've had the opportunity to sit down and look them in the eye and saying, although you grew up in that, you don't have to repeat the same thing again. You can have a God-honoring marriage. Why? Because I went and saw a counselor. I I went and talked to some people. I got people in my world and I crossed the Jordan so that I can now say to someone else, you can cross the Jordan. Walk in my footsteps. Come on, let's be committed to creating a pathway so that others can get what God has for them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder how many people today say, Scott, I'm in the middle of my Jordan. Or I'm in the edge of the River Jordan and I know the picture that's in front of me, but I, I haven't made the decision to step out and this week I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to invite someone in on this journey. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to say, God, would you lead me and guide me into all that you have for me? I, my marriage is okay, but I know it can be better. I'm going to do a course. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to invest into who I am. My, my son, my daughter is far from God. My husband, my wife is far from God. And I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to continue to push through. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand wherever you are? Say, you know what? I'm, I'm in the middle of a Jordan or I'm on the edge of the river Jordan. And I want to make a decision. Would you raise a bold his hands all over the auditorium. Come on, keep him going up. Keep him going up. Don't get out of the Jordan. Keep him going up. Come on. Come on, God's got a promised land for you. Come on, those of you who know you're not where God wants you to be, but you want to get a vision of where he wants to take you, would you put your hand up? Would you put your hand up wherever you are? Father, I pray for every person with their hand raised that today would be a defining moment, that those in the Jordan would stay in the Jordan crossing to go where you've called them to go and inherit what you've called them to inherit, to have something in their hands to turn around and give to someone else. God, we thank you that you are a God of the Jordan, that you don't leave us in the Jordan, you don't leave us in the in-between, but God, you travel with us to give it to us. And Father, I pray for those who are standing on the, on the banks of a life that they want to leave and go on to the life that you want them to have. In any area, God, would you speak to them and keep painting that picture? Would you give them the courage this week to help them to step out into all that you have for them? In Jesus' name.